Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and Mark 24. Hold your place in Mark 24. And then our first opening will be Hebrews chapter 11. Excuse me. Hebrews, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11. Did I say Mark 24? If you find that, let me know. It's Mark eleven twenty-four. <laughs> if you find the, the, the 24th chapter of Mark, you need to throw your Bible away. Amen. So uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll read that passage first. Glory to God. And I just, some things that I said uh, are still stirring up in me. So I want to go back and, and uh, say some of those things again and, and take it a little bit further and maybe color it a little bit uh, differently. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I want to draw your attention to those words Things hoped for. Things hoped for. I talked last uh, time uh, in, in December, I talked about the importance of hoping for things. Now, a lot of people have a problem with preachers or Christians that uh, talk about uh, wanting things from God. There's this traditional idea, it is not biblical. It's not from the Bible, but there's this traditional idea that, that to really be pious and to really be holy and godly, you just go through life, you don't ask for anything from God. The, 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 the mantra sort of goes like this, Lord, you know, you know what I need and I, I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm just, I'm just happy with just a little bit. Whatever you feel uh, pleased and you will to give me, that's all in life that I need. I know Sister Iris has the, has the poverty man on her wall in her house. <laughs> I call him the poverty man. You know, you've seen the photograph and it, it was a photograph. It was never a painting. It was a photograph. And then they, they publicized it in the 1930s. I looked this up yesterday, Laura, uh, Iris. And uh, they publicized it in the 1930s and it really became popular in the 1940s. And it's a man, they photographed a man sitting at a, just a little plain table, you know, in a, in a small room and he has, uh, he's got his head bound, he's praying and there's a big book, you know, and, and that's supposed to be the Bible. It was actually a dictionary. And, but, but when the man gave the rights away, the man who posed for the, for the picture, when he gave the rights away, I think he gave the rights away for $25. And uh, he, he wrote on their Bible, so it was supposed to be the Bible. And he's got a little small loaf of bread and a knife and a little cup of porridge, you know, and I, I guess that the picture was expanded, you'd see three bears down at the other end of the table. But, but he's just sitting there. And, and, uh, and the picture is supposed to depict piety. Then, because here's this man and he's very humble and he's praying. The, the truth of the matter is, the man, don't, want to, don't want to ruin this for you, Iris, but the man who was photographed uh, was a peddler by trade and he lived in a sod house. 
And he was not known for piety. He was mainly known around his town for drinking and being a uh, uh, never-do-well type guy, just a guy that just never accomplished anything and didn't do anything, and mostly for his drinking. But anyway, that's who they photographed. But the picture caught on. And recently, if you can believe this, I think in 2002 or 2012, I was just reading yesterday, uh, the, the, the Minnesota, it was in Minnesota where it was taken, the Minnesota legislature adopted that picture as the state picture. I didn't even know states had state pictures. Does Florida have one? I don't know. No, we have a, you know, state birds and, and plants, huh? A palmetto is the state picture? Okay, it was better than the poverty man. But here's this man and he's got his head bowed and, you know, he's got his glasses folded. It's just, it, just this little meager, you know, I don't have much. But, and, and, and people had the idea, that's what piety is. That is not biblical. I said, it, it's not even almost biblical. It's actually contrary to Bible. So what are you talking about? Well, uh, notice Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. In Mark 11, verse 24, <laughs> Mark eleven twenty four. I know you can quote it, but look at it. Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore, I'm, I'm going to quote from the older King James. I, I have the new King James is what I preach out of and, and, uh, and feed on. But I remember the older King James, it reads like this. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I want to focus on those first few words. Whatever things you desire when you pray. So apparently it's scriptural to have desires that you go to God for and things that you hope for and you go to God for and ask him for those things. We la- we, we, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, but uh, several weeks ago we were talking about this. We read from the, the gospel of Matthew and Matthew said that, that your father knows the things you need before you ask him. But you're still supposed to ask him for those things. Amen. You have to have hope for more than you have. Now, I'm not talking about having an unholy lust for just more and more quote unquote things, you know, that can never satisfy. I'm talking about having a desire for things that are uh, in line with the Bible. I said things that are in line with the Bible. Amen. Uh, go with me to 1 John chapter 5. We looked at this passage. Let's look, look at it again. 1 John 5. And let's look at verse 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will. Now that's the real important factor right here. We, we have to ask God for things that are according to his will. But we still have to, have, we still have to ask him. 
Now, people have said, well, you know, if, if, uh, if you just say, well, God, whatever I need, you know what's best for me. I just trust you to give me what I need. And I don't want to be caught up with materialism or caring for things of this world. So I'm not going to ask for anything. But if, if we don't ask him, even though it's according to his will, we're still supposed to ask him. And, and if God just gives us what he wills us to have, why would he have us ask? Why would he instruct us to ask? If he's just going to do what he wants to do anyway, and a lot of people believe that, they believe, well, you know, just ask for whatever you want to and whatever God chooses to give you, he'll just give you. Well, what's the point in asking? It's an exercise in futility. If you're just going to ask for things and you really don't have any confidence that God's going to get, that he's going to answer your prayer particularly, he's just going to give you what he wants, then, then all of the instructions about asking are a waste of time. No, these scriptures tell us that it's right to have desire, it's right to have wants, it's right to have needs, it's right to have hopes. All of us need to be reaching for more. If we don't hope for more, we cannot live by faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith gives substance to not just the will of God. Faith doesn't just give substance to what God wants. Faith gives substance to the things we want. Well, if we don't, uh, things that we hope for, if we don't hope for anything, there's nothing for faith to work with. Amen. Uh, Praise the Lord. It's true. It's true. Now, we talked about uh, this, that uh, there are three different levels of God's will uh, in in, in, uh, thinking the way we're talking about this today. There's God's specific will for your life. Things that are required of you by God. Well, those are things that you need to ask for and you need to put your faith out for. Because even though God requires something of you, doesn't mean that you're going to have it. Just because God requires something, the, the, the burden isn't on God to see it come to pass in your life, even though he is ultimately the one that empowers it and supplies it. The, 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 the responsibility is ours to seek his will. Amen. So there, there are things that, uh, that are specifically God's will for your, for your life. Go with me over to 2 Corinthians. Pastor Greg read this this morning. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. And he referred to the fact that uh, for years when I took up the offering on Sunday mornings, for years and years, I read this passage. And uh, I want us to read it today and think about the will of God. What this passage says about the will of God. We're going to start, instead of starting in the sixth verse, let's start in the fifth verse. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time And prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. I want you to pay attention to the words generosity there. He said, I I want you to, the brethren to go to you ahead of time and that you prepare your generous gift. What would be, a, what would be a, the opposite of a generous gift? 
stingy gift. <laughs> Thank God we don't belong to the first church of the stingy. We belong to first generous church. Amen. Now, if you're nervous, relax. All I ask is you is that you examine the scriptures I'm reading and see whether whether they're true or not. When when Paul was exhorting these uh, churches, they had promised to send an offering before he wrote this, and he's referring to their promise to send an offering to help the the saints in Jerusalem. And uh, so he's writing to them about it. And he said, I want you to prepare your generous gift beforehand. Now, remember, this is not just Paul the man writing something to his friends. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, the Bible says, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, the woman of God, the person of God, the Christian, uh, may be furnished and, and equipped for every good work. So this isn't just Paul writing out of his own uh, mind or thoughts. This is inspired by God. And he said, your gift that you're giving must be generous. He said, I, I, I'm not, he said, I'm, I'm writing to you early and I'm sending these brethren early to you and, and they're going to come after this gift, but I'm giving you time to make it generous. Well, would that be the will of God? Would that be the will of God that they have a generous gift or a meager gift? A generous gift. Well, let's go on reading. He said, uh, that which you previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Now, I've noticed this over the years. You know, I've been pastoring for 42 years, and you, you learn, you stumble over a few things, you know. Just learn them by accident, you know. But I've learned that, that people who are not generous are also, what little they do give, they give grudgingly. In fact, they're grudgingly, grudgingly giving is, is the reason, because they begrudge what they give. That's the reason they give little. Amen. See, if your heart is right with God, God is a generous person. He is a person, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They, they are persons. Well, well God ha- has, has a personality and he is generous by nature. For God so loved the world that he gave just a little bit. He, one of the, one of the uh, tongue-tied, cross-eyed uh, angels and just sent them. No, he sent his only begotten son. He sent the very best. And I got news for you. He always sends his best. God has never sent you anything that was meager, that was just a token. God in everything he does is generous. Amen. Now, uh, in case you're not aware, the eighth and ninth chapter, this gift that he's talking about uh, isn't, uh, them sending a, a generous gift of good thoughts. You know, just I'm sending my thoughts to you to encourage you. People do a lot of those crazy things today. They have no power. Amen. He's talking about sending a monetary gift. And he said it should be generous. Well, if you don't believe it, keep on reading. 
But this I say, he who sows sparingly or stinging, I don't know how to say that, stinging, huh? Stingily. Okay, if you say so, it sounds dumb, but I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. Stingily. <laughs> I believe you, I'm just saying it sounds weird. This I say, he who sows stingily will also reap stingily. And he who sows bountifully or generously will also reap generously. Well, some people say, well, I don't understand why it's not working for me. It seems to be working for everybody else. Well, why don't you check up on your generosity? Check up on your sowing. Amen. I see other people being blessed and I wonder why I'm not being blessed. Well, first place, I, if it's talking about financial prosperity, first place I'd look at, look at is what's the nature of my giving? Is it generous? Or is it just a little bit? Amen. I'm helping you. Praise the Lord. So let, verse number seven, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not stingily. Not stingily. Well, if it's not stingily, what it would be? What would it be? Generously. That's the whole context. If you put it in the context, not stingily would mean generously. Not give by compulsion of necessities by compulsion. And I've noticed this, the people who just give a little, they only give by compulsion. They only give because they have to. I'm so grateful that I got liberated, that I was set free from small, stingy, defensive thinking. I don't think I've ever, you said it like that. If you give and you, and your, your giving is defensive, you're more interested in protecting what you have than sharing. And everything you give is, is, is with the idea. Now I've got to, I've got, I can only afford this little bit because I, I've got to protect what I have. Now listen, I understand we all have budgets. Everybody has a budget. Everybody in this room has a lifestyle and you have an, a, a, a customary amount of income. I understand that. And I do know that in, that in life you have to be practical and you have to use uh, good uh, financial planning and all those things. We should, we're not to, to live beyond our means. We're not to, that means that we're not supposed to be in debt for things that we can't pay for. We shouldn't have uh, 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 those things going on. But at the same time, when, when, we're, pro- when we're promoting the work of God, we're, we're, we're free to be generous because we have a promise. Now, see, if you're wasteful with your money, you just buy things all the time. You can't, you know, you just can't stay away from Amazon. And you're just buying things you can't afford and it's costing, you know, your, your, your money. It's a struggle. Uh, God's not in that. He can't bless wastefulness. I'll say that again. God does not and cannot bless wastefulness. But when you're giving to God and he either, you see it in the word like tithing, which is not 7%, it's 10%. You see tithing in the Bible 
Or you don't, you, don't need a, you don't need a special word from God. You don't need to be led of the Lord to tithe. Well, I'm praying about it. We don't need to pray about it because he's already said. Anytime you pray about whether you need to do something that God's already said that you're to do, you're in unbelief. And you're opening the door for the wrong voice because the devil will always come in and say, well, that doesn't apply to you. But if it's Bible, it applies. So you don't even have to pray. We don't have to pray whether, you don't have to seek God and say, well, Lord, you know, sister so-and-so really offended me. Would it be your will that I forgive her? <laughs> you don't have to pray about that. It's the will of God, whether you like it or not. Yes, Suck it up, buttercup, and just forgive her. <laughs> just stir yourself up and just forgive her and do it. Not because you feel like it. You didn't have to pray about it. You just know to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So when it comes to tithing, we know to do it. But then when we're giving, in addition to that, we're to be led of the Spirit. Well, when we're led of the Spirit, the Spirit, because He wants to, he wants to uh, uh, promote blessing in our life, He will lead us to be generous. He will not lead us to be reckless, but He will lead us to be generous. And when we do that, that's not living outside your budget. That's not being wasteful. Because you're not just giving something, you know, to, uh, to satisfy a, a need you have. You have you're giving something to satisfy a, a need someone else has by the direction of the Holy Spirit. That's not wasteful and it's not reckless. It's God-inspired. And when you act on something that God inspires you to do, the blessing is always there. It's always there. The Bible says God is not mocked. He will not be mocked. He will not be put to shame. He will not be proven wrong. He said God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Well, it's not working in my life. Well, you might check up on your generosity. Could be. (laughs) Well, let's keep reading. So let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, heart, not stingily, grudgingly, or of necessity, that is from compulsion, but for God loves a cheerful giver. I've noticed this. I've, I've told you some things I've noticed. I've noticed that the people who are generous are cheerful in their giving. And the people that are stingy, they're not even cheerful in the stingy part that they give. Because they give grudgingly. Well, it's the truth. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Some of you are happy about it. Some of you just need to acknowledge whether it's true or not. So let, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, stingily, or of compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. See, this is the thing that liberates. This, this, this verse is a very liberating verse. Because I know when I give either in obedience because I just know the Bible, tithing, and, and I give to missions. I know the Bible teaches that I'm supposed to support the gospel. The Bible teaches I'm supposed to help people in need. The Bible teaches that. And when I obey God because I know it's in the Bible or because he just speaks to me and leads me, when I, when I do that, I know that God is going to cause all grace, and like the Amplified says, every favor and earthly blessing, blessing to come to me in abundance. And that cheers me up. 
That makes me a cheerful giver because I know I, I, I'm, the Lord has led me at times, my wife and I, to give uh, money to people who were in need or to give to, to some ministry. And it was a stretch. It was like, whew, that's, you know, I had plans for that money. Or, or if I didn't have plans, I was just planning on holding on to it. <laughs> I might have plans down the road, you know. Have a, have a savings account. And I, I, how many of you like your savings account to be growing, not going down, right? And uh, the Lord has led us to give, uh, you know, unusually. And when, when I do that, I do that conscious of the fact that God has obligated himself. When I give in faith and with a cheerful heart, not grudgingly, I'm not, I'm not you know, angry about it or, you know, pouting over it and, and uh, so forth that God has obligated himself to be generous to me. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing to come to you in abundance. If that's true, if that, how many of you believe it's true? How many believe verse number eight is true? It is in the Bible. Well, if it's true, how could you, if you, have, if you understand it in your heart, if you really see it and, and believe it, how can you be fearful about turning loose of something that, that, that maybe, you know, is, is something you, you feel like you need to hold on to because it's precious, but you turn loose of it because God's leading you. You, 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 you know there's a blessing in it. You, you do it in confidence because you say, now God, I obeyed you. I'm expecting your grace to be given to me in abundance. Every favor and earthly blessing. Let's keep on reading. That you may always, I'm quoting from the Amplified Bible, that you may always and under all circumstances be self-sufficient. Thank you, Lord. Angela. Thank you, Lord Angela, for helping me. (laughs) That you may have, what does that mean? Have all sufficiency. That means everything you need. Under all circumstances, whatever the need, be self-sufficient. Now notice, possessing no aid or support, but furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. If you want to get out of the the, uh, needy crowd, now there's nothing wrong with the needy crowd. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't look down on people who have needs. And, and very often the Lord will lead us to give to somebody that has need. But if you want to get out of the needy crowd and get into the blessed crowd, here's your ticket. Here's your ticket right now. I didn't intend to spend all this time on prosperity this morning giving. It was just one little point. But listen, if you want to get out of the needy crowd and get into the blessed crowd, here's your ticket. And really there's not any other way to get out of that crowd. There's no way to get out of that, uh, that bondage because need is bondage. You can't do the things you want to do. You're just hamstrung and restricted every time you turn here or turn there. Now, no, we go back to whatever things you desire, whatever thing, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's right. It's right to have hopes. 
We should be hoping for more. We should be reaching for more. And it's not the only reason we, we have desires because we want things in life. But one desire to, to reach for more is because I'm in a greater position to be a better blessing, a greater blessing to somebody else. It's really selfish in a sense, in a, in a very real sense. It's selfish when people are satisfied and they just say, well, you know, I, I've got enough. We've got a good lifestyle. We've got a good secure income. And, and we, have a, we have this and we have that and we're comfortable and we're, you know, we really don't need much more. Well, think about somebody else. Well, what about, what does that mean to think about somebody else? Well, that means thinking about helping somebody else who isn't as fortunate as you are. Or think about funding the gospel so they can go to people who can't uh, fund the gospel for themselves. They, you know, sinners don't come to church, church with their checkbooks. And they don't attend gospel crusades on soaring foil, soaring foil, soaring, foreign soil, spoonerism, foreign soil. They don't come with the money. They come without any money. Somebody has to pay for that. Amen. Well, when, when you have a desire, uh, if, you're, if you're just happy with, with, with the little that you have or the, the sufficiency that you have, you're comfortable. But, but what about being a greater blessing? Because somebody needs you to be blessed more than you are. Somebody needs you to be more blessed than you are. And I can say that to every person in this room. God needs you to be blessed more than you are. Because it's not just about you, it's about your capacity to be a blessing to somebody else. That you will have all sufficient, sufficiency in all things, that you may have an abundance for every good work as it is written. He has, now, now think about this, this type of person that's described in verse number nine. He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. You can't be dispersing and giving whenever you have your, your maxed out on your budget. I mean, unless you've decided to break free from that and then the Lord prompts you and you'll give above what you can and that starts the cycle of generosity and, and, and greatness in your, in your financial life. But if you're just living tied down, restricted by what you know you have, then you're not, you're not, you're not in that place to be a blessing to anybody else. But if you can, if you could just today, I'm talking to somebody, many of you already have this revelation and you walk in it, but before you pat yourself on the back, <laughs> really examine yourself. Are you, are you, are you, uh, are you dispersing what you could well, not and have all my things. I'm telling you, you can disperse more and still have all your things. Preacher, you're preaching a materialistic gospel. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. Now, it has to be in line with the word of God. But we've already read that generosity is the word of God. It's, 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 it's God's absolute will. 
It's, it's a requirement because he said do it. He said let your gift be, be a generous gift. Not stingy, but generous. Well, that's a commandment. I mean, that, it doesn't have to be called the 76th commandment. It's just, it's an instruction from the word of God and, it's, and we're told to do it. So that's the will of God. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, when we give out of, out of a, a, a generous heart, because we're prompted by the Spirit of God, we know that God's going to give back to us. It's coming back. It's coming back. Why? Because God said, I will not be mocked. He, he could he put it in, in, in more uh, contemporary language. God said, you can take it to the bank. This is going to happen. when you, Whatever you sow, you will reap. Most people use that passage of Scripture. You know, God's not mocked whatever man sows. I think it's in, is that in Philippians? Is it in Philippians or Galatians? Huh? Galatians. Okay, yeah, Galatians. Uh, most people take that as a threat. They only see the negative side of it. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap, brother. You're just, you know, you better watch out. That, that scripture was given as a promise, and it, the previous verses right before it has to do with giving and supporting the gospel. Giving to, to ministries that are providing spiritual sustenance. He said, when you give, God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Now, it works in the negative, but that's the, that's the, the, the mindset that so many have. That everything's on the negative. They only see the negative part. See, the positive that God's talking about is that if you support and do what's good, you will reap. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. So, that, so there are things that are specifically according to his will that are, just, that are directed to us. Then there are things that align with his will. I mentioned this last week. Just, just say this quickly. You know, there are some things that... Uh, that is his will because it aligns with his perfect will. We know it's his perfect will for that, that Christians go to church. That's the plan of God. Every Christian should be consistent and frequent every week in attendance to church. There's, nothing, there's, no, there's no provision in the New Testament for Christians to just go to church once in a while. You don't see that in the New Testament at all. Amen. Uh, so we know that's the will of God. Well, that's the perfect will of God. But now, if, if, it's a will, if it's God's will for you to go to church, then it's God's will for you to have transportation. I mean, unless you live next door. Most of us don't. Well, if, if that, you won't find that it's the will of God for you to have a car in the Bible, because they didn't have cars. There's not anything in there that says it's the will of God for you to have a donkey or a, or a card or anything. But it's, it aligns with the Bible. I, I mean, it, God, God, you know God wants you to have a car because he wants you to come to church. And you could say this, we know that he wants you to have a good car because he doesn't want it broken down on the side of the highway. You, never, you, won't, you won't make it to church. You start out to church and you didn't show up. What happened? Well, you know, blew a head gasket on the way to church or something, you know, transmission fell out. Well, that's not, that's not God's best. Now, God doesn't care what kind of car you have, whether it's an expensive car or, or, or an inexpensive car. He's not impressed nor embarrassed with your ride. Now, now your friends might be embarrassed with your ride. 
Huh? <laughs> your friends might be embarrassed with your ride, but God's not. He's not angry with you. But, but you're not going to, to embarrass him if you get a big car or a nice car or an expensive car. Uh, as long as, as, as it's practical for you and it, and it doesn't put you in bondage. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then there are things that are that not only align with his will, but things that are just consistent with his will. Uh, you know, that's where the whatever comes in. We talked about that uh, a few weeks ago. You'll, know, you'll notice in 1 John, he says, this is a confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask. And people have the idea, well, that's, you know, I, I'm not, I don't believe that just means you can just ask whatever you want. Well, that's what it says. As long as it's according to his will, it aligns with his will, it's consistent with his will, you can have whatever you ask. Go with me to Matthew, the sixth chapter. We looked at this, but we didn't look at it this way. Not last time, we have before. Verse, chapter 6, verse number 8, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. People say, well, that right there, see, it's just our needs. He never promised we could have whatever we wanted. Well, you just need to keep reading. Amen. Well, let's skip ahead to the seventh chapter. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And uh, if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask you? Well, is it good? You know, people talk themselves out of every blessing of God. I feel sorry for them. Well, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it would be good for me to be healed. Well, Jesus went to the cross for your healing. Yeah, but I, I might backslide, you know, if I, if I lose my dependence on God. He's teaching me something. Or if, if, if I have riches in life, it might cause me to backslide. Well, dummy, don't backslide. You can backslide poor. <laughs> it's easy as you can rich. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Go back up to the, to the latter part of the sixth chapter. Verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. See, the people who are stingy, they're, they're always worried. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Some people don't even have bird faith. They don't even have bird faith. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they sow, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of them. Some people don't even have daffodil faith. They don't even have lily faith. Then we have sour grass faith. Oh, glory. Now, if, verse 30, if God so clothes the, clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not sort of clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? 
Will he not, you know, just basically give you the, the basic necessities? Is that what that says? How will he not much more clothe you? Now, his, his example, he was comparing the, the, uh, the lilies of the field and Solomon in all his splendor and royal clothing and, and uh, uh, his outfit. I mean, he, he, he was pretty stylish. Solomon was, he had some nice threads. (laughs) Will he not much more clothe you of of little faith? Well, pastor, yours is getting extreme. Well, just keep reading. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? When, When the Spirit of God begins to deal with you, about giving beyond your comfort zone, maybe giving something that you, you think is, is extraordinary and you think, well, I, you know, I need that. You need to go back to this verse. He said, don't, don't do that. I like, I, and I know it's just, a, it's just a turn of phrase, but in the older King James, it says, uh, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? You know, the thought comes... But you don't have to take it. That thought comes from the devil and it comes from your flesh and it comes from from self-preservation and it comes from stinginess and it comes from lack of faith and lack of trust in God. That's where those thoughts come from because you've you've lost sight of God will make all grace. Every blessing and, 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 and so forth to come to you in abundance. You've lost sight of that and it's robbed you of your faith. That's why you're taking thought. How do you take thought? Saying. Take no thought saying. The thought comes to you, but don't say it. Don't say it. When you say it, you take that thought and you own it. And you say, well, I, what will I do? How will I get by? How will I pay my rent? How will I make my truck payment, my, 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 my house payment? How will I have what I need? You just took that thought when you started saying it and you made it a reality in your life. Take no thought. I know it's just a, it's just a different way this is translated, but it's good. He's saying, don't worry. Well, when you worry, the word worry comes to everybody Everybody has worry come to their mind, but you don't have to start talking, talking your worry, talking the fear. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Now notice, this is the the verse that really liberated me a number of years ago. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now who are the Gentiles? The unbelievers. The unsaved. Therefore, all for after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need. Remember, we said, well, it's all about need. Remember, in, the, in earlier in the sixth chapter, your Father knows the uh, the things you have need of, and people say, well, that only applies to your needs. What your want, not your wants. Well, notice, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. And your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. What do the what what are the unsaved seeking after? More and more and more and more. I'm not I'm not saying that's godly and that we that we should be like that. I'm just saying that the unsaved aren't aspiring 
to live out of the thrift store. They may have to, but that's not where their aspiration is. The, the unsaved, they, they want to they wanna go to, to the nice shops, buy the nice clothes. They don't, they, now, they might have to buy a used vehicle, and they might choose to because they like a particular vehicle, but, but they want a nice car. They, they might want a particular older vehicle because it's a classic or something, and that's sometimes more expensive than the new ones, or, you know, whatever. But what I'm saying is uh, unsaved people, people in the world are wanting more. It's not, it's not a godly trait, but it's not, a, it's not, it's not uh, anything that's wrong in and of itself if your heart is right. So it's all about self-preservation. It's all about what, what, who, what you put first. After all these things the Gentiles seek, and your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things, just, he did not say do not seek those things. The next verse says, do not seek. The Gentiles are seeking them, but don't you seek them. That's not what he said in the next verse. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. That's not the thrift store. It's not. It's not, it's not uh, 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 subsidized housing. It's not. It's, it's, not, it's not having a little. What, 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 what do people seek? They seek to do better. They seek to have more. They seek to improve their lot in life. After all these things the Gentiles seek, your father knows you need these things. Just put the kingdom of God first and he will give you all these things. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own problems. Believe God today. Believe God today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have more things to worry about. <laughs> and, and when that comes, you do the same thing then that you did today. You don't worry about them. Well, praise God. It's true. It's true. And I, and, and, God, and I know I'm running a little late, but, but you'll stay with me, won't you? Go to James, and, I, and I'll try to close with this passage. This is uh, the fourth chapter of James' gospel, gospel, epistle. Fourth chapter of the epistle of James. Verse number one says, Why do wars and fights come from among you? Do, not they, do, not, do they not come for your, from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members. Now here's where he's, he's bringing a balance in. Struggles and fights come because of the desires for pleasure. And, and, and they war in your flesh. The members there is talking about your, your body. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. Now notice, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Now, that's a, that's a major truth. The people that are saying, well, I, I don't want to ask anything, you know, I just, whatever God wants for me, and I'm just happy with my little lot in life. Well, you do not have because you do not ask. Some people don't ask because they just don't have a vision for helping anybody else but themselves. 
The person that's just satisfied with just, you know, I've, I'm happy. I've got enough, you know, for, for, for my household, for the rest of our lives. We're, you know, we're, 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 we're just going to hunker down and, and ride it out. That's selfishness. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, notice verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, that word amiss doesn't mean that you ask for the wrong things. The word amiss is it refers to how you're asking. You do not receive because you ask wrong. In other words, your motive is wrong. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Now you might say, well, pastor, it sounds like that's what you're talking about. The pleasure of a new car, the pleasure of a bigger house, the pleasure of finer clothes, the pleasure of, of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, just having... Uh, 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 recreation, and that's just pleasure. No, that's not what he's talking about. The word that's translated pleasure in in the end of verse 3 is the same word that's translated pleasure in verse number 1, and it's the Greek word hedone. Hedone. We get the English word hedonism from it. It's used five times, and I, I, I have them on my tablet all pulled up, and I'm not going to take time to read them. It's used five times in the New Testament, and every single time, hedone is, is used of sinful pleasures. Not just, not just pleasure, but sinful pleasures. Every, all, all five of the occurrences, and that's what it's talking about here. You, you ask and do not receive. See, you can ask for God, God for things, but if your desire is to use it on sin, well, you can forget it. <laughs> God's not going to give you that. But to, but to have a desire for something nice in life is not sin. It's not sinful to drive a Mercedes. It's not sinful. It's not sinful. To have a home and have it paid off. Isn't that good? Yeah. Frees you up. So when it says that you may spend it on your pleasures, uh, he's talking about sinful pleasures. That's the wrong motive. And, and, if, and, and listen, God knows your heart. <laughs> he knows what you're really after. But if your heart is to do God's will, and to be a blessing to others, God will allow you to prosper. He will prosper you. He will supply for you as, as great as your faith can carry you. As far as your faith can carry you. Hallelujah. God, like I said, God's not, he's not, he's not embarrassed. You're not going to have too much. To embarrass God. He, he, he walks on streets of gold. The, the, the picture of New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. I mean, the, the foundations are precious stone. Layer upon layer upon layer of precious stones. It's, it's, it's a gaudy place. 
from our perspective. I mean, it is, it is over-the-top opulent. Streets of gold. God rides in a fine vehicle. A chariot of fire. Travels at the speed of light. <laughs> so your, your 450 horsepower doesn't impress him at all. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about just being concerned about things. I'm talking about being generous and free. When you're, when you're generous, you're free to give. Then you don't have a problem asking God, you know, I'd like to have a, I like that. I like that house. That's a nice looking house. I like a house like, you don't want that house because somebody's living in it, but unless it's for sale. But it's a, I want a house like that. I want to live in that kind of neighborhood. There's nothing wrong with that. Those are the things, faith is a, it gives substance to things hoped for. You have to have hope. You have to, have, you have to be reaching, amen? Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. God is faithful. He's not stingy. He's not embarrassed. And how much more will your father give good things? What kind of things? The good things that, that everybody wants. Things that people want. How much more will your father give good things to those who ask him? Glory to God. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Kevin ran over real late yes, last Sunday, and that just, you know, gave me liberty. <laughs> As if I need it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Glory to God. There's not a parent in this house that has ever wanted more for their children than you want for us. Parents in this place today, we, 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 we don't begrudge when our children do well and prosper and are blessed. We're happy for them. Father, you're happy when we're prosperous and we're blessed. As long as, as your work is number one in our life, giving to the gospel, supporting the gospel, being generous with people, as long as that defines our heart, that protects us from wrong motives. It protects us from, from lustful desires and, and just desiring things that, so, so that we can indulge sinful pleasure. When our heart is right before you, I thank you, Father, that we are, we're able to enjoy the riches of your blessing. We're able to enjoy plenty. And walk in abundance. Glory to God. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, that your will is for our blessing, for our prosperity. Glory to God. And we thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.